You know, Jesus' mission was summarised in Matthew 20, 28, when it says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. You know, this means that the mission of our life should be the same. Our mission should be to serve God and to serve others. Now, to be completely honest with you, I was a little bit reluctant to speak on this this morning because I know at this time of year, some of us can feel like we're dragging ourselves to the finish line, right? It's busy, it's been a big year. But I just really felt that now is actually the exact right time. Because after Christmas, some of us have a bit of downtime and it's often a time when we stop and reflect a little bit about our lives and about the year to come. And we invite God to challenge us about what He would have and how He would have us make adjustments in our lives for that year. So we're going to have a look together at a scene in Luke chapter 22. And uh, just to set the scene a bit, it was a Thursday night and um, it was the night before Jesus' crucifixion. And Jesus and his disciples were hanging out together. They're having a meal. And many of us would now know um, that they refer to this meal as the Last Supper. And so it says in Luke 22, 24, that a dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be considered the greatest. Can you imagine it? You're sitting in the presence of Jesus, God in flesh, and you decide to argue instead of focusing on Him about who of us will be the greatest. I can just imagine John sitting there, oh yes, well, I'm the one who Jesus loves as he wrote about himself in third person in the book that he wrote in the Bible many times. And Paul's like, yeah, well, you guys, I got out and walked on water to Jesus. You're all still scared in the boat. And they're like, yeah, mate, until you sank. And then they're like, oh, Bartholomew, no one's even gonna remember your name. Who the heck are you? You know, most of us wouldn't actually say this phrase out loud, who's the greatest, but we can get caught up trying to make ourselves look great living by the world's standards of trying to be seen and applauded and validated. And you know, I think Jesus would have sat there during that conversation and looked around that room and he probably saw proud hearts and dirty feet. Because John 13 continues this account of the upper room and it says, so he, talking about Jesus, got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. This towel was actually the clothing of a servant or slave. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You see, in a culture where everyone would walk everywhere in sandals, it was custom that when someone arrived to your place, that their feet would be washed. It was much like a greeting, how we'll hug and kiss someone now when they arrive to say hello. But it was never, ever the host that would do this. It was always a slave or a servant's job to do that. Culturally, um, disciples would not even do this for their rabbi. That was a no-no. And yet we see Jesus get up from the meal. Obviously, no one had done it here at this meal. They still had dirty feet. And as the conversation happens about who's the greatest... He shows them what true greatness is and gets up from the meal 
and wraps himself in servants' clothes and gets down low to serve them and to wash their feet. You know, we think, oh, isn't that lovely? Isn't that so nice? But it actually wasn't. It would have been absolutely outrageous to these disciples that Jesus would do that. You know, after he washed their feet, he returned to the table and said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, some of you right now are freaking out because feet are disgusting. I agree. I think feet are absolutely gross, especially if your second toe is longer than your first. I just think that's weird. Sorry if you have that. Jesus loves you. You were created in his image. He made you exactly how he wants you. Your toe was meant to be longer. Forget I said that bit. You know, there's this thing called photophobia and it's actually the fear of feet. They say one in a thousand people has it, but I think it's way more prevalent than that. Feet are gross. But you know, not only was Jesus telling us that we should do what he did, he wasn't telling us we have to go and wash everyone's feet literally, but he was preempting the spiritual cleansing that was to come. But it was also an example to the disciples that they were to live a life of selfless servanthood. He was showing them what it truly meant to be great. That choosing to live a life of servanthood means our whole paradigm for success changes. You know, servanthood is about going low in order to lift others up and serving Jesus above ourselves. It's living to serve His kingdom and glorify His name, not our own. It's about what we can give before what we can get. It's others focused not me focused. You know, we read in um, Scripture that Paul and Simon Peter both referred to themselves using this term bondservant, or it could be translated as bondslave. It's like, what? what is that? You know, culturally, um, in Jewish times, in biblical times, um, a slave or servant was something quite different to how we think of it in a more modern context. You became a slave uh, usually when you'd committed a crime or otherwise if you had got yourself into so much debt that you couldn't pay your way out, you would be imprisoned for that debt and sometimes your whole family would be as well. And you remained there until maybe you were lucky enough that someone would have compassion on you and come and pay that debt in your place. Now, if that happened, you would become this person's bondservant. And so what it meant was that for seven years, you basically became a slave to that person to work off the debt that they paid. But at the end of the seven years, you were completely free, obligation free, off you went. But every now and then, there was someone who realised and recognised how great the debt was that had been paid on their behalf and that their labour actually hadn't paid it off. And so they would volunteer to stay on and become this person's bondservant. And if they chose to do that, there would be a nail put through their earlobe marking them as a bondservant. See, Jesus, our chief servant, didn't put a nail through his ear, 
but a nail through his hands and his feet as he displayed the ultimate act of servanthood, of dying a slave's death upon the cross in order that he might pay our great debt of sin that we owed on our behalf. And now what Paul and Simon Peter are saying is that we get to come back and live our whole lives out of thankfulness as bond servants to Jesus. Saying, Jesus, my whole life now is to serve you in return for that great act that you came and committed. You see, not only did Jesus serve us 2,000 years ago on the cross, but God serves us every day with our breath, with food, with grace, with love, with the Holy Spirit. You know, the one who owes us nothing gives us everything every day. And that should affect our hearts and change the way we serve God and others. I remember uh, the year I interned at the church I was at at Melbourne in the time, it was years back now, Um, but I left um, a well-paying job and a career that I'd chosen to go and be an intern at church. So basically work for free three days a week. And most of the things you did were the things no one else wanted to do and they were unseen and in the shadows. And I remember one night it was probably nearly midnight and I was there on my own packing up after a young adults gathering and I'm packing up chairs and washing dishes and cleaning this spilt milk off the carpet and I had this moment where I was like what on earth am I doing I'm not just cleaning up other people's mess I left a job to do this for free And I have to tell you that there was a period there where my attitude stank. Like, I was like, God, are you seeing everything I'm doing for you? You really owe me. (laughs) I know, it sounds funny, but it was terrible. (laughs) I'm ashamed to admit it. But I was so grateful that the Holy Spirit convicted me of my attitude and was like, you know what? He doesn't need what you're doing for him. First and foremost, he wants your heart. And I literally had to repent for my attitude in the way I was serving. And you know, that year that seemed insignificant, that seemed in the shadows, actually ended up being one of the best years of my life. Because through serving in the ugly bits and the bits no one else wanted to do, God crushed the pride out of me. And building his church and serving Jesus became the greatest joy and privilege of my whole life as he reshaped who I was. You know, if your service has become transactional, can I encourage you today to return to your first love and like a bond servant, serve him out of an overwhelming love and gratitude for all that he is and all that he has done for you. Craig Rochelle, pastor of Life Church, says, serving is not what we do, servant is who you are. Servant should be our identity if we're going to be like Christ. In Matthew 25, 34, many of you would know this verse. It says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was, I shouldn't have moved them because I just lost my pace. (laughs) 
Um, I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? The king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, I know that all of your kids would be perfect, right? But mine, every now and then they're not. (laughs) School holidays, maybe more than every now and then. And uh, one of my kids this year had some challenges at kindergarten and... um, It was a little, yeah, a little bit of a challenging time for him. And can I tell you, his teachers blew me away. They were so incredibly patient with him. They were so loving towards him. They continued to pray for him. And like they blessed my mother's heart more than I can tell you. It was better than if they'd given me like $10,000 because it meant so much to me the way they served him. You know, I think this is the way Jesus feels. We're reading in this scripture, this is the way Jesus feels when we serve his children. You know, when you go and mow your elderly neighbor's lawn or when you cook a meal for that mum who's struggling, when you pray for that person that's sick. Do you know when we minister to others, when we serve others, we actually get to minister to the heart of God? Isn't that an incredible thought? It frees us to do things for people that may not even deserve it. You see, the true test of servanthood is when you serve those who can give you nothing in return. Or maybe they don't deserve it. But as we serve them, we know we do it, that we're serving God and blessing his heart because we're serving his children. That releases you to free, freely serve your grumpy boss or that relative that's a pain in the butt. We've all got one and Christmas is coming up. So this is your perfect opportunity to serve them. <laughs> People are sitting there shaking. <laughs> You know, servanthood requires humility. And humility is really not something that comes naturally, especially in a culture so big on self-promotion, autonomy and comfort, you know, the selfie. People have got filters and special lights and everything just to make themselves look better and get more likes. But 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 says, All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. God opposes the proud. It's a pretty strong word, isn't it? And that the meaning of that word actually denotes his army being set up against you. Quite full on. But conversely, when we live out of our identity as a humble servant, God is the one that actually lifts us up or in other translations, exalts us. You know, some of you need to hear this this morning because you're feeling overlooked. But as long as you're serving his purposes in humility... Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how many times man overlooks you. 
God is powerful enough and He is great enough to position you exactly where He wants you as you continue to serve Him in humility. You can rest in that. Isn't that amazing? I think that's so powerful and brings so much rest. We don't have to discover our purpose, but as we serve, serving is the pathway to God's purpose for us. You know, I think sometimes we can see serving though as a bit of this like meek and mild kind of thing, lacking authority. But John 13, three says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. The one who had all power and all authority, Jesus, did the lowest of acts to serve others because he served from a place of knowing his identity in his Father. You know, worldly power and authority is often appeared to be gained by climbing over people or using them as stepping stones. But with spiritual power and authority, it's the exact opposite. It's earned by going down low and serving others and lifting them up. Isn't it interesting though how often we can um, be insecure and skew our motive? You know, if our identity is not in the Father, if we don't know who we are in Him like Jesus did, then we can end up not actually serving God, but serving our need to be seen and validated by others. And so it's so important to have who we are rooted in who Jesus says we are so that there can be a purity to our serving. You know, being a humble servant doesn't mean you think of yourself, think less of yourself, but just that you think of yourself less often. Uh, many of you would probably remember the world event sort of that happened in 2018. There was these 12 boys and their coach and they were trapped in Thailand, trapped in a cave. Do you remember? It was in the media a lot and there was a lot of focus on it. And... Um, Elon Musk, who's the founder of Tesla and also SpaceX, heard about this situation and he obviously has a lot of money and technology to his disposal. So as you do, he just started working with his team, coming up with something. And um, they came up with a submarine that could be a life-saving vessel. So he personally flew it over to Thailand. He started training the team in it and they decided after a few goes that they weren't going to use it. Now, instead of cracking it, his response was actually quite amazing. He stayed on and said, look, how can I volunteer like everyone else? Let me serve in any capacity I can. And then at the end of it, he didn't take his gift back and off, he stomped. He left it as a gift for the Thai government in case they needed another rescue. And when he was interviewed by the media, quite a few media tried to sort of push him, or well, what did you really think about the situation? And all he said that he was so glad that those boys had been rescued. Can you imagine if we all served with this attitude? Instead of taking offence, because there's going to be opportunity for offence if you serve, if we didn't crack it or speak badly or walk away. But if we were so committed to serving a mission that's so much greater than ourselves, that we were like we're all in and had a whatever it takes attitude. So can I encourage you to seek God about how he'd have you serve in some of the following areas. In your marriage, 
If you're having challenges in your marriage, can I encourage you to start serving your spouse in the ways that are important to them? and watch as your marriage changes in your community. If you wanna impact your community for Jesus, start finding those little opportunities to serve your neighbour, to serve the people around you in practical ways. If you're a leader in your workplace, sporting club, in church, and you want the impact of your leadership to grow, start serving the people that you're leading and watch as you become someone they wanna follow. Bosses in the workplace, serve your staff, serve your customers and watch as God blesses your business. Don't just serve on the weekend, but take it with you. Be the same person in that sphere as well. Parents, if you wanna see your kids love Jesus and grow to serve Him, then take them on the journey of doing it with you. And as you allow them to start to serve in the church, watch as it goes from being your church to theirs. You know, we're called to serve people around us, but we're also called to serve in the body of Christ. And do you know the primary reason why people burn out in church? It's because so many of us sometimes don't serve and there's a few people left carrying the load of others. Ephesians 4.16 says, From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I love that, as each part does its work. You know, there's a part for every single one of you to play. And as each of us do that, the body is built up and functions as it should. I read a quote recently that I love and I can't remember who it was from, so if you listen to this on YouTube, please don't sue me. It says, the best churches are made up of a bunch of nobodies who serve anybody and don't care about becoming a somebody. Jesus made this statement in Matthew 19.30. He said, but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Sometimes we can be a bit like, oh, okay, well, but what does that mean? So I'm gonna ask a few volunteers to come up this morning. Dave, why don't you come up? Oh, you can come up too, you too, come on. Up you come, front row. Now, Dave, you look most like Jesus with that beard. And the colour. So we'll go, <laughs> and the colour, I wasn't, wasn't gonna go there. Now, do you have to groom this beard? I've always wondered, conditioner, special shampoo? No, no comment. No comment, okay. <laughs> I'll take that as it's high maintenance. <laughs> oh, and this guy, he's got pretty nice muscles, doesn't he? <laughs> Some of you are worried right now, this is my husband. <laughs> I'm not just feeling up a random guy on, on stage. <laughs> They're like, ooh, she's a bit much. <laughs> but you know, this guy here that looks the most like Jesus, is legend, he's living his life like a bond servant. He's sold out to Jesus and yeah, it costs him his time and some of his comfort, but he does it with the thankful heart, knowing that he's serving a purpose so much greater than himself. Now this random bloke here, He's a little bit this way, a little bit that way. He's heard the Word of God and it's transformed his heart. 
and he wants to live to serve God and he lays his life down. But isn't it so true that we can lay our life down and then we sort of just gradually over time pick it up a little bit again. I don't know about you, maybe it's just me. I think if we're not really intentional about this and we can naturally just start slipping the way of the world. Now this one here, <laughs> she's looking around at what everyone else has got. She's like, yeah, I want a bit of this. I'm going to live for that. Yeah, that looks good. And she's looking at this guy here thinking, oh, he's got it all together. <laughs> you did. <laughs> In case you knew, they're married. <laughs> now this bloke, Oh, where do we start? He's living his life serving himself. He's going the way of the world. He's working 24-7. He's got an amazing career. It's building. Now, the bit I didn't tell you is we're going to play Follow the Leader. Did you guys play this growing up? Still play it now. Still play it now. Great. So we're going to play Follow the Leader. So he's living his life, living for himself. He's got an amazing job. His career is growing. You know, he's got success. He's looking for contentment in all the wrong ways. He's got a hot car. He's chasing hot girls. Amy, that's you. <laughs> He's got a great house. He's got the best of everything. And people, you know, we can be tempted to look at him and think, but what? He's at the front. But he's coming first. But how does that work with that scripture? But you know, there's going to be a day where he's going to be doing all this and he's going to become dry and he's going to be lacking contentment and he's going to find emptiness. And you know, this is the thing with the kingdom of God. Jesus flips the script. He turns it around and he says, when you're part of my kingdom, you know what? When you're faithful with little, you'll be trusted with much. When man builds a platform, man can tear it down. But when I build your platform, no one can tear it down. You might be serving in the shadows now, but one day you're going to stand before me and you're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, when we live as a bond servant, we don't care if it appears that we're at the bottom because we live for a different kingdom. And we know that one day those who are last will be first. Can we give these guys a hand as they take their seats? Didn't know you'd be playing follow the leader in church today, did you? You know, if you want to develop deeper relationships, find true fulfilment, discover your purpose, then I challenge you to start serving. Serving others and serving God can sound exhausting, but it's actually the most soul-enriching thing and yes, you pour out, but so much is poured back in. And I'm not saying this as a staff member today because I need to fill a volunteer quota. I'm a volunteer this morning as I stand here preaching. This is volunteering for me just like you. But I've seen in my own life the blessing that it brings. You know, it doesn't matter how old or young you are. If you're a young person in here today, we need the purity of your faith serving. You know, you are the future of the church. Looking at the lounge guys over here. If you're a family, like I said earlier, I know it's inconvenient. But go out of your way to take the kids on the journey with you of serving God and watch how it pays off for years and years to come in their lives and their relationship with God. If you're mature in age, 
Maybe you can think that you've done your time or that you're no longer relevant. But please, don't believe that lie. You know, you might have less energy and, and than you, you once did, but you actually have more wisdom and more time than ever before. And the body of Christ needs you. Matt recently spoke in a members meeting and said that he feels as a church that we're coming into a season of seeing more and more of the unchurched coming to one hope and discovering Jesus. And that we need to be prepared for that. You know, that's so exciting, but there's also a responsibility that comes with that. To steward that well, it's not gonna take one or two of us, but it's gonna take all of us saying, I'm all in. I'm not here just to be a consumer, but I wanna be a a contributor. I'm not here just to be a spectator, but I wanna be a participator. I wanna come and build the kingdom of God and serve with my whole life. You know, I wanna say thank you to all of you that serve your families, that serve your community, that serve this church to make it such a beautiful place. Isn't it amazing what we get to come and enjoy because of so many people serving? But for those of you that aren't, can I ask what's holding you back? Perhaps you felt hurt or used when you've served in the past. You know, it's time to bring that hurt to Jesus and to exchange it for healing and to step back into the ring. Maybe you're waiting to be asked, don't wait, just step up. Everyone would love it and you'll get to play your part and be so blessed. Maybe you feel inadequate to serve in the way he's calling you to. Well, welcome to the club. We're not meant to feel adequate in ourselves, but as you step out to serve, He will equip you with everything you need. Maybe it's because you know there's gonna be a cost to your time or your comfort. And I won't lie, there will be. But one thing I know is that you will never regret saying yes to serving Jesus. You will never outserve him. You will never regret it. But you might regret not knowing what could have been on the other side of saying yes to serving him. So as a church, can we be all in? Can we be all in to serving our King of Kings and Lord of Lords who came to earth to serve us? Why don't we stand to our feet now? I'd love to just pray for us before we worship again. Heavenly Father, I thank You for each and every single person here. I thank You that we are all called to serve You. Lord, that we are all to live our lives as bond servants, so overwhelmed with what You have done to serve us. We only have to look to the Bible to see how You lowered Yourself and served all throughout Scripture. And Lord, we're so thankful. And so even if we've done it before, God, we come again and we say our lives are laid down before You to serve. 
God, as we come to the end of a year, I pray that for each of us, You would speak to us about how You want us to serve those around You, us and how You want us to serve the Body of Christ. Lord, may it be our greatest privilege as we get to be used to carry out Your mission on earth. We love You, God.